0: Session three, self-managed career. So session one was all about career management styles. Session two is what is healthy career management? And now we're talking all about the individual We're talking about you. We're talking about how do you now take control over your own story? How do you best articulate your experience? Utilize the education you have access to, your network, how to grow and nurture your network. Now it's all about using all this stuff to be proactive and avoid getting stuck. But so many of us, right, we get stuck, and it's, it's a terrible feeling.
1: It is a I think terrible everyone
0: feeling. everyone can relate. No one's had the perfect career.
1: Oh, there is no perfect career. Every career have pluses and minuses. And uh, it's really frustrating uh, for a lot of job seekers because this comes out when we're in job search mode more than we think about it on a regular basis. But for every every circumstance you face, some things about your background are going to be a plus for that. Some things about that are going to be a negative. Maybe you haven't had the actual, like, smooth one title led to the next title led to the next title in the same industry kind of trajectory. Not very many people have that anymore. The model of, I think, um, career trajectories has changed, right? It used to be if you worked at a place uh, for less than five years, something was not quite right with you. You were a job hopper if you left before that mark, right? And luckily, all that has started to change, and it was all arbitrary and crazy to begin with, but... Now I think people are starting to wise up. And I think that's part of our problems with millennials. You know, I hear a lot of resentment for millennials. God love you, millennials. I'm, I'm thrilled, thrilled that you're here and working. I say bring it. Because what millennials have really done is uh, stopped behaving in ways that our careers should quote unquote work and start going with what actually works. You know, they realize that if they stop learning or their skill set gets rusty, that they've got to move on to somewhere else because they cannot afford to have that happen. Now, they may not articulate it quite that way. We might not perceive it uh, quite that way. But the truth is that that's very, very healthy and very good. It's very important to keep learning and growing.
0: When you say there is no perfect career – when you say there is no perfect career, it makes me kind of think about what we see on Facebook or Instagram when people are putting their best foot forward and it looks so perfect, like they have the perfect life. And there's always there going to be that that self, maybe that self doubt or the comparison thing. But with LinkedIn, you're getting updates. So and so just got a promotion. Congratulate them, mm-hmm. and that could be some bitterness created from that. Because if you're not taking time, and it's something you know, I'm working, I think we're all working on, trying to take time for ourselves and choosing ourselves, but that's what we're talking about, but if you're not taking the time to do that and you're constantly getting nudged both on the social platforms many of us you know have our lives on, and everyone else is rising up above you, there is some just some self. Exploration. And sometimes that can be that self, that can create self doubt. I mean, I'm just going off my own feelings because I think this is not something I talk to other people about. And I don't know if there's any connection to some of the things I'm saying right now compared to the people you're talking with.
1: Well, let me tell you, I think skills are the great equalizer. Uh, I have a client right now who is just graduating college and she is incredibly advanced for her. Uh, Early career years, she's already held several real, quote unquote, real jobs, and she's done some some pretty significant work. When she looks around at the peers in her class, that's who she identifies as her peers. She's heads and shoulders above them. When she thinks about college students in general, maybe she is at the top of, you know, the cream certainly rises to the top. What she doesn't know yet is how she stacks in the whole group of people, the people who graduated last year, the people who graduated the year before that, the people who graduated the year before that, who have that same skill set. Where does she fall? And I think that um, that is something that everyone struggles with is, you know, who is your peer group and how do you define that? Because in her mind, her peer group is not – uh well well, I, I think actually in her mind, the peer group is the people that she's graduating with. And from my assessment and her and my assessment of her skills, that's not her peer group. She should not go straight into entry level work. She should go into something beyond entry-level work because her skills are literally that much better. Right? Skills are the great equalizer. I don't I don't care how long somebody's been in a role. Maybe they're Sammy Slow. And they've been in the role for, you know, seven years. Where Susie Smarty over here, Susie Speedy Smarty, got there in three. Do I care if she's got three and he's got seven? No. What I care about is how well do they wield those skills.
0: So is this more about identifying your skills and communicating them? Is this more about growing your skills? Is it both?
1: I don't think anyone can understand your skill set if you don't. I think the very first step of being able to manage your own career is being able to at least acknowledge and see your own skill set. If you cannot speak to your own skill set, no one else will be able to either. And these signals that you send about your skill set will make or break your career. And we know this, I think, best, again, when we're in job search mode. We know the person who interviewed, and I've talked about this a million times, but the person who is a key contributor to a global marketing plan will get hired over the person who helped on a marketing plan. That helper might even have more experience. That helper might have been more impactful to the project. But the fact of the matter is, the way that they describe themselves, the way they tell their story, will make or break how people perceive them in that role. Now, we know this, and we might smarten up Uh, for the job search and the interview process, and we might like be able to turn it on for the interview. But the real truth and the real, I think, point of self-management in your career is what happens when you're in the role. Do you forget and start talking like the helper? I think a lot of people do.
0: How do you know when you start to become the helper, even maybe if you are a driver or you are a contributor?
1: Well, I think people start talking about tasks, Incessantly. It's about what they're doing, what task is on their this task list. what I'm working list, what's on, on their this list. week? Yeah, I'm doing this thing, this thing, this thing, as opposed to this project is going to have this kind of impact, what the impact that we're predicting or what the bigger picture is or how, how this contributes to solving a greater problem.
0: Impact prediction. How can you get closer to feeling like you can cast an accurate prediction is that knowing your skills and knowing how it's leaning against the, the big goal?
1: Well, for example, in sales, this is really easy because we have numbers and projections and so forth. I mean, like, that's an easy way to be able to, to quantify that. But let's just say that you identified um, an opportunity and maybe you all are exploring that. And the company could maybe make, you know, $10 million from that opportunity. We don't know. It could be $200,000. But if the opportunity, the the way that we've defined it and we can quantify what the opportunity could be, we could save as much as this. We could – then I think that there's some validity to that. You have to be very precise with your language. We certainly – I'm not advocating misleading anyone or overstating your contribution. I'm simply pointing out that if you don't know what your contribution is, no one else will either. And that has big, huge impact. We wonder why we land in the wrong companies or in the wrong roles. When you send the wrong signals, you're going to attract the wrong people, and they're not going to know what to do with you. They're going to put you in roles that are not necessarily your strongest and best capability. For example, I had a woman that um, she uh, she, she was in a project management role, so she was managing all the projects. And... In this particular organization, project management is really about task assignments. And while she, is very, while she is very organized, while she can, in fact, task out projects, she's really a strategic thinker. Detail is not really her thing. So while she has some skills that look like project management, that was not the role for her. She was never going to really shine in that role. She tried to make it. She tried to force it. She tried to – she stuck it out. But in the end, it didn't end well because the truth is she doesn't – that's not the best and highest use of her skill.
0: This might be way sidestepping, but what's the difference between skills and talent?
1: Well, that's an excellent question. I would have to ponder to get really deep into what I think about that because I probably have some deep philosophy about that truthfully. But more – Let's talk about it in terms of um, hard and soft skills, right? Hard skills are what you do. Soft skills are how you do it. You start talking to me about being dedicated or detail-oriented or loyal or whatever the things are. Would I hire anybody who is not loyal and dedicated? Of course not. Do I want to work with anybody who is not loyal or dedicated? No. That's not really the part that we need to be emphasizing. Um, I think we have to be able – I think we need to know what it is, but I also think we need to be able to define our skills. And then when we talk about the hard skills, which is the real core, like what we actually do, think keywords on a resume, uh, keywords in a job posting or job description. Once we understand what we do and our job title per se, then it's about differentiating ourselves You know, I use this as an exercise all the time. Name three things that make you different than everybody else with your job title. And people take a moment and they think about that and they think, I don't know. And I was like, if you don't know, I don't know either. Your boss doesn't know either. How are you differentiating yourself? What are the sound bites that you need to be advertising about yourself? It's not about self-promotion. And I think that's a huge misnomer. I think people are very uncomfortable talking about themselves. And I think that that's a I think that's that's a warranted fear, right? Nobody wants to be uh, listening to somebody who is perceived as a braggart, quite honestly. But you can't be out of touch with your own value or with the market, because if you are,
0: everybody else will be confused as well. I know you are a visual thinker. At least that's how you communicate with me. Like I'm very visual in the way I'm thinking and thinking of kind of how a. Might translate in the real world as an example, and I know you've talked a little bit about radio signals and the frequency, the frequency you are exporting, or the this the frequency that is that is on air wherever you're going. And mm-hmm. you know, I like the you know, there's a nice connection to the whole audio. <laughs> yeah, thing. exactly. But it what you're saying, it sounds kind of like your signal that you're that you're tr- um, translating around you. That's Both.
1: right. People are interpreting. You know, we we know this in real life. Right. We know that what kind of car you drive or designer label clothes or, um, you know, how big your diamonds are or whatever the case is. We know people are sending signals. We send signals with what kind of glasses we're wearing, what kind of computer laptop we're uh, typing on. Uh, We know we're sending a lot of different types of signals about who we are. What we don't realize is that we're sending those signals in our day to day work life as well. And people are picking up on them all the time. It's important to be mindful about that and understand what you're signaling. I mean, I was working with a gentleman just yesterday, and he has a uh, a financial um, role, and he is very strategic and very, very smart. He has incredible integrity. He's incredibly trustworthy. And yet he's running up against a wall with his boss in several positions in a row. So... He, you know, and then he he disrespects his, you know, he finds his boss's behavior pathetic. He can't respect him anymore. And then he has to go get another job because, oh, gosh, he can't stand it.
0: So you're saying he was overlooked for three different things?
1: No, in three separate roles, he's had trouble.
0: At the same company? Same. Mm,
1: different companies. Different. Oh, I different see what you're saying. companies. I'm oh. saying consecutively in his career. So you're career. saying there's a pattern. There's a pattern here. <laughs> OK. Right. And when I talked to him about that, I said, like, let's talk about integrity and trust. Because it's very; those are very powerful, powerful terms. I was like, you're sending a lot of signals around that, and purposefully so. It's core to who he is. But what does it look like when you overuse integrity or you overuse your trustworthiness? It starts to look like condescension.
0: How does that— It starts to look
1: like—it starts to sound like judgment.
0: Tell me more about what you're talking about here.
1: If I am so right, and I believe that I am so right— my tone, my body language, can communicate
0: that you are wrong. So you're saying if you tr- like when you say trust.
1: Well, he's a finance guy, right?
0: So he feels so, he's so in, he has so much integrity.
1: He has so much integrity, and he is he is so trustworthy. Okay. And he is he takes it very seriously, and he's very intense with it. But when you overuse a strength, it becomes a weakness. And he couldn't imagine that his signals might might be signaling something he didn't intend which is judgment, which is condescension. That's going to have an impact on how people perceive you and whether or not they want to work with you. Right?
0: So he's kind of created his own rut that is he causing has. him to be stuck.
1: That's correct. And he is stuck. So you know, we've got to have to, we're, we've got to work on that and fix that because it doesn't matter where he goes. That's a problem that's going to follow him. Right? He is it's about calibration. Right. Um, I often talk about this with children. Uh, You know, parents teach their kids inside voice versus outside voice. But if you're raised in a family of seven or 10 kids, that's going to be different than a single kid household. Right. If your parents were deaf, that's going to be different than. In a hearing environment. Right.
0: All right. Don't get stuck. That's a big message that you have and if you are stuck there are some ways to get out of it but best yet there are some ways you can avoid getting stuck to begin with
1: i think getting stuck stems from a, f- a few things but one of the biggest things that i see is people are waiting to be picked they're like think about it they're waiting for somebody to recognize their skill set and say you are worthy i'm going to promote you." I'm going to give you permission to add to your skills. They, get, they have to be selected for the program. They have to be submitted or, or nominated for this or for that, right? I say pick yourself. Choose yourself. Choose yourself right now. What if you became the boss of you? What if you became the boss of your career and you decided what promotion you were going to give yourself and what skills you are going to add? I think getting stuck is when you hand off the management of your career to your company or to your boss or for someone to do this for you and give you permission. I think another way that people get stuck is um, when they make desperate decisions. You feel uncomfortable. Your boss can't stand you. You can't stand your boss. You're afraid you're going to get fired. So you quit. And you go get another job and you've got to get the next best, you know, whatever the next job is, you've got to take it because you're running out of cash. Or you've been unemployed for a while and you take a job that maybe isn't at the right level, but the promise that you'll get promoted or the promise of the possibility that you could. Sometimes that possibility is real and sometimes that possibility isn't real. That's never going to happen. Right. Having some discernment. I think sometimes those those kinds of decisions lead to being stuck.
0: I know we're getting into the heart and there's going to be a lot more discussion around the how. What are a few tools that you like to talk about and how can you use those to avoid being stuck?
1: I think the cure to stuckness is plain old action. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't I'm not I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying, you know, by all means, do not go have an authentic conversation with your boss
0: and tell him, right? So you're saying you get fed up. You get – there's just so much anxiety or there's so much pain or frustration and you're like, okay, I just need to talk to my boss and it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Like I'm going to tell him how I really feel. Tell her how I really feel.
1: Yeah. I, I am hesitant to give advice to that because I feel like without proper guidance, people are maybe meaning well but end up sending messages that are terrible messages to be sent. Like what are
0: some messages you're saying?
1: Well, you know, uh, I think I talked about it in the last session where we're in a meeting and uh, a woman just blatantly acknowledges that she hates the technology and she's not going to learn it and so forth and so on. Well, in three months, guess whose job got eliminated? I mean, the technology in that whole train is inevitable, we are moving in that direction. She was authentic. She did not want to learn it. She told us that she wasn't going to in front of her boss and everyone. Well, that's hard to get back. That has a big impact right there.
0: Because There's a tangled mess. If you're trying to internally go through this tangled confusion, maybe you have, maybe you're feeling stuck, whatever. If you just walk that, that into your boss's office and start just putting this mess on the table, they want to get rid of that mess.
1: Well, I just— I think that the emotions cause you to say things that are not always helpful to you. And while they may be truthful, they're not always advantageous. And I think that you can choose to tell your story in ways that are, are advantageous or in ways that you are going to pay heavily for. And my advice would be pick the way to tell the story that is advantageous and not the way that's going to hurt you.
0: Right you don't want to be desperate. You don't no, want to be you don't you want to, don't want to be, desperate. be in that desperate. You don't. Mode.
1: And you know, I think pick the smallest thing that you can do that's going to give you the biggest reward for that action. You have a lot of energy caught up in the emotion when you feel stuck. It makes you want to lay on the couch and watch Netflix for hours and hours and days and days, right? Yeah. This is what binges are all about. Food or or otherwise. I mean, This is what it's about, is this feeling, this paralysis or this heaviness associated with that. And I think that that comes from you're waiting for somebody to give you permission. And the truth is you're in charge. The company has... Absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you are ready for the next level, whether you have acquired the skills, whether you're – you can decide that for yourself. And that doesn't mean that maybe you're going to stay with that particular organization. Maybe you've learned all that you can learn from that organization and it's ready to look for something new. And that's okay too. But you can't make those decisions until you've sorted the emotion out of it. What I found is that oftentimes people will – they'll come up against that – That wall, that frustration where they can't get out of it. And it's because their skills will bring you to a certain level and you can't get beyond that without new skills. Right. But what do they what do they do? They quit that job and go find another job because they think, oh, I gotta get out of here. That's ridiculous.
0: They need yeah.
1: Right? But guess what? They're still at that wall because they still don't have the skills to get beyond that. So don't misunderstand when it's time to add a new skill set. You know, you've got a boss that you can't work with. Well, is it time to is it time to learn to work with that type of personality, or is it time to move on to something else? Those are difficult decisions, and you know, I think this you know lends. And I know we're going to talk about this more in the next session, but I think this is where you start having to ask yourself, who do you actually go to for that kind of advice? Yeah, because the people who love you are going to hate that boss who's getting on your nerves.
0: You tell him. You tell you, her.
1: Right. And, you know, I think we are taught like, oh, you just need to say you're not going to do it. You just need to put a boundary down, you know, as if you're being taken advantage of. Well, maybe you're being taken advantage of or maybe you just need a different skill set.
0: Right. I know you have dozens and dozens of tools. You have dozens of videos. You know, these are things that I've learned from that have been really helpful and transformative to me. And so these are the kinds of tools and skills that you can use to kind of break through that next wall, to kind of dig your way through that. challenge.
1: Absolutely. And I think the the difficulty is people are very well-meaning, but the people who love you want to validate you and are on your side. What you need are people who can help you assess whether you need new skills or whether you need to uh, move to another situation, right? And that's a much more objective, more market-driven, and more overarching uh, assessment, I think, than just the situation you're in and the people that maybe are unqualified to maybe even tell you about that, though I think everybody wants to give words of advice. Everybody's got the answer, you know.
0: Everyone has Everyone wants to tell
1: you as an opinion about it. And some of them might be great, right? Some of them might be great. But I think the answer is managing your own career is about making sure that you awaken to the fact that on a moment-by-moment basis there are organic opportunities all around you, and all you have to do is take small action to achieve them and that those small actions, one leads to the next, leads to the next, and then you will be unstuck. You will be unstuck.
0: Great. I think that's a great place to pause, and you already kind of gave us a little insight into the next session, and that is career decision confidence. And a big part of this is who you're listening to, what your signal is tuned into, because you're hearing a lot of different things. There's a lot of noise out there, and... That's can be dangerous because there's a lot of – you don't want to – if you feel stuck already, you don't want to start getting advice and get pulled in a direction that only pulls you further down where you're still not really moving.
1: Well, yeah, and it just, I think, spreads the negativity around. You know, negativity spreads like the flu. You can catch it from the person sitting next to you and you can give it to the person sitting next to you.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited to dig into that. So, next session career decision confidence. Absolutely.